Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. Well, Jim Nance, as always, thanks for the introduction there. And I've got to get right into what it felt like to be at the U.S. Open. From a fan's perspective, what was the access like, you might be wondering, uh, to the players, to just the whole overall property? And here's the thing. I was there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I remember as you're by the range, there's a couple areas when the players leave the range, they walk kind of by the practice chipping area, and then they kind of snakes them around, uh, takes them by the clubhouse a little bit. But there's a couple areas where they come out and they're within um, basically arm's reach of a fan. Um, they are actually kind of in the same area. They walk through the same area where the fans walk. So I thought it was kind of cool that if you're a, a diehard fan, you could uh, get up close and personal with these guys. There was one person on, uh, was it Thursday? He had a sign that says, uh, say happy birthday, happy 100th birthday to Ruby. And literally, he would have his cell phone going on, so he was taking photos or actually a video of players saying, hey, happy 100th birthday, Rudy. And it was just kind of cool. So just give you a snapshot of what the access was like. And then also the limited fans. Yes, there were fans, but I don't know the exact number. It was a lot less than I remember in 2008 when I was there as a volunteer. And to give you an example, on Wednesday morning, um, Justin Thomas was doing his practice round, right? He was out there. And there's an area where he walked from the lodge in the practice area uh, green up to the first tee and that probably is about 300 feet 400 feet so he covered a decent amount of space nobody was there to stop him say hi no fans like it's crazy yes there were fans once he got to the tee yes there were fans on 18 you know what i mean like a couple hundred yards away but for a stretch of 400 feet at a U.S. Open on a Wednesday, there were no fans. And and I, I know it was limited fans. Was it Monday, Tuesday? And I think Wednesday they opened up to some fans. But still, just to give you an idea of how sparse it was on the property, um, and yet so many common areas where players would walk through. So that was kind of an, uh, a snapshot of what that was like from a fan perspective. The other thing, too, is if you're out there, I, I remember on Thursday I followed Phil as he was on 18. And for a hometown boy coming off of his PJ Championship win and so much momentum, there really was only about five uh, people deep on 18 in his gallery. I mean, it was not that crazy of, of a group of, uh, of people following him. Yes, there were people in the grandstands there and in the, in the limited grandstands, but that was clearly the biggest group. As I looked around a bit that day, too, on Thursday, Phil's was the biggest group, hands down. So it really wasn't that big of an attendance at this U.S. Open. Yes, they're still coming out of COVID protocol, so it's understandable, but I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. Uh, there was a couple of players that walked by on that path above 18, uh, by the 18 fairway, 18 green, that just nobody noticed them, right? Because they were just walking past, and everybody was fixated on Phil as he was putting on the 18th green. So it was just crazy, some of the sights and sounds of being out there at Torrey Pines this week. I think the other thing, too, is you run into certain players especially like Wednesday Wednesday morning like Garrick Higa was out just playing around 
uh, as he was walking to the practice screen, he was actually motioning like a basketball, like pretending he was taking basketball shots, just with him and his caddy, just joking around with other players in kind of that common area. As you walk from the player hospitality area to the range, there's about 30 feet where you're there in a common area with where the fans are. And he had nobody around. And of course, who in, this, in the United States recognizes Garrick Higo, right? So there he was just joking around with caddy and players and uh, just having a lot of fun. He seemed like a very nice guy, very easy to get along with, very relational. So that was cool to see as well. Um, but no, it was just a, a lot of fun observations from Torrey Pines. We'll get into the championship itself here. I'm curious if you agree or disagree with me on this one, but there was a moment on Sunday you guys watching, I'm sure there were so many big names that had a chance to win this thing. I, I took a snapshot from uh, Nathan Crace. So this was, as everybody was kind of making the turn, as the leaders were getting close to making the turn, Bryson DeChambeau, five under par. In second tide was Cole Morikawa at four under with Rory McIlroy at four under. Then you got Louie at four. Uh, you got Hughes at three under. You got Kepka at three. Tied with Rom at three under, tied for fifth. Matthew Wolf at two under. Russell Henley, two under, tied at eighth. And then uh, Migliozzi at one under. English at one under. Shoffley at one under. Berger with one under. Scheffler with one under. One under. Almost everybody with a lot of holes, a lot of golf to play. It was at that point where I said, this might be the best U.S. Open leaderboard of my life that I've seen late on a Sunday. You know how they always say the Masters doesn't start till the back nine on Sunday. This is ridiculous. You had a chance for some absolute top names like Kepka, Rom, Rory, Marikawa, and then DeChambeau going for back-to-back. -back. He was the solo leader at that point through eight holes. Crazy to see all that, but what a week it was. And John Rom gets the win, 121st U.S. Open. What a, a deserving champ, and I think a lot of uh, people putting money on it have <laughs> cashed in on him being the favorite and coming off of COVID. What an emotional roller coaster uh, that would have been um, just to go through that. He said he always kept positive. I think that was awesome, as he said in his NBC post-round interview, just stayed positive, was looking for the silver lining, and he found it. And here's a, here's a funny thing. I went out to Torrey Pines, and I'll, I'll start with a short story on John Rahm. I was out there for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was a tough sell for my wife because she's from the area. She's from Mission Viejo, about 30, uh, 30 minutes north, 40 minutes north. And I was like, honey, you're going to take the kids if you don't mind, and I'm going to go to U.S. Open. What, maybe for six or seven days? No, 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 not happening. Uh, but we were able to compromise, and uh, three days was uh, what we ended up with. So I was there on property Tuesday afternoon, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. When I left on Thursday, you remember how it was darkness, right? Uh, darkness stopped play for the later groups on Thursday, right? because of the fog delay, 90-minute fog delay. John Rahm was one of those later groups. He was with his caddy, and they were walking. And listen, we saw how – you saw it on the broadcast today, on, on, on Sunday's broadcast, how he was pacing around after winning – or excuse me, after finishing and just so much nervous energy. He had the same kind of look when I saw him Thursday night in pitch black at Torrey Pines over there on the property, basically. As he, as he was getting ready to leave the property, he had this this – pacing back and forth kind of uh body language as he was headed to his car and it was crazy to see that because he was head down you know that kind of thing shoulders like just you know, facing in and he was just going right to his car what's funny is that his wife who just had their baby kelly um you saw her on the broadcast the blonde kelly was like a couple minutes after John uh, bolts to the to the car, Kelly like puts her arms up, like "What's going on? Like, what? Where, where's John? What is? Well, what is happening? Clearly, this guy gets to a next level with his focus, and he was coming off that course. I uh, wasn't even finished with his round, but clearly, it takes him a long time 
to wind down from uh, uh, obviously his his go mentality. I mean, this guy's all all in, man, and you can see it. You can see his his fire there on 17 and 18. The unbelievable left to right putts he was able to to finish with. That was really exciting to see. But yeah, what a great week. I, I know for me, it was awesome having been a volunteer in 2008. I told everybody at my local muni, I said, hey guys, I'm going to work the US Open. Why not? Volunteer, right? Get a chance to go. And you get seven tickets. It's totally worth it, right? And they were like, what? You make a minimum wage here at the, at the local public golf course in Sacramento, okay? It's 500 miles south to go down there, okay? Gas is $5 a gallon because it's during the recession. What are you thinking? You are crazy, is what I was told by everybody at Bing Maloney Golf Course at the public course. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to roll the dice. Go into that U.S. Open changed my life. When you experience Tiger like that, the way he finished those two eagles on Saturday, never forget the vibe, the electricity on that course and just watching it. It was just amazing. Um, but then also just the, the playoff. Tiger and Rocco, just what a unforgettable moment that was. So for me, I, I was like, as soon as that finished, I was like, I got to find a way to cover golf. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so that was a huge moment for me. So coming back to... Tory Pines for this event and, and being a member of the media, doing work for Caddy Network, uh, doing work for a ton of the the first timers, the amateurs for their hometown papers, uh, Dylan Meyer uh, for a paper in Indiana, uh, Patrick Rogers for the Indianapolis Star, Pearson Cootie um, for the Caddy Network. Of course, he had his dad on the bag, this young amateur, just unbelievable what he's been doing. But still, like for me, going back was cool. I actually went to the, the volunteer tent and I was wearing my old 2008 uh, Tory Pines US Open shirt as I walked in there. And it was it was a cool moment. I took a picture and posted, as you guys probably saw on Twitter and on uh, Facebook, Instagram. You know, I think it's important to to take marks of where you are in your life and uh, look at the different milestones. And for me, it was an amazing a journey to go 13 years later to be back as a member of the media with, with really good access and not just a volunteer uh, hoping to get a, a free lunch for work and a five-hour shift in the merchandise tent. But what I will say, though, about volunteering is that you meet so many awesome people. I met some people from South Africa. They gave me a ride back to Del Mar where I was staying. Um, that was amazing, right? And and people from Ireland, people from different obviously, cities and, and different states, uh, an older couple that was working for Imperial Hats. I mean, they were kind of, <laughs> it was probably one of their last U.S. Opens in their 70s, but they loved it. You know, it was always a huge week. It was a Super Bowl week for them, the big selling week for these vendors. So very cool to be back. Kind of comes full circle for me, but you know, it was an awesome week. Other takeaways, I, it was great to talk to Bryson DeChambeau, and I know he blew up on Sunday. I get that, but he, he was uh, <laughs> experimenting like crazy. It, it, you know what? That's my takeaway with Bryson. He, he may be one of the hardest working people in golf because you saw him, the defending champ. How often do we see the defending champ do a practice session for an hour and a half? Right, the Wednesday night he finished. I looked at it about six forty-five, seven o'clock is when he finished. And I talked to him afterwards, and I said, "Dude, like in a video interview, I said, what's going on?" And he said, "No, everybody thinks everybody overreacts when they see me practicing, no matter when I'm practicing. And uh, I, it's not that I'm I'm afraid of anything. It's just more that hey, I'm, I just want to hit my driver better. That was what it came down to. So, and then I actually had to bring up his scoring average, seventy-four point five on the Torrey Pines property in the two Farmers Insurance Open. He's played. He's really had not played that tournament much at all, 
and he said that hey hold on I, I played well in the junior and the junior amateur junior world <laughs> and I'm like okay thinking to myself that was 15 20 years ago dude what are you thinking uh and you were a different player he said he's a different player now though that's why he likes Tory Pines bigger hitter of course and it, it's just a lot better to his game so it suits his game a lot better than it did in 2016 2017 when he was starting on the PGA Tour so really fun to, to run into Bryson ran to, of course Patrick Reed and his caddy, Kessler Crane, we talk about merchandise tent and volunteering there in 08. I told, actually, I told Patrick Reed about that, <laughs> about spending a boatload of money at the merchandise tent. I spent $1,600 one year and when it was half off. The Monday after, you know, keep an eye on this. The Monday after every U.S. Open, typically it's half off that Monday. So I told that to Reed and he said, you know what? If, if, if your wife had heard about that, all you got to tell her is, honey, I saved the money. I saved 1600 with that. So that was Reed's uh, advice to me uh, next time I go on a crazy U.S. Open spending binge. But no, talking to his caddy as well, Kessler Corain had said that he spent $600 without even thinking. And, and that was more for just getting stuff for his friends, right? Getting like a hat, getting a, a towel, a few other things. Just thinking ahead. Like if you love the logo, I think the, the U.S. Open Torrey Pines logo was awesome this year. So... Very cool stuff. It was a blast uh, talking to those guys as well. Picking Patrick Reed's brain a little bit about Torrey Pines. Of course, he didn't quite have as good of a, a week as maybe he would have hoped, but still, it was, you know, the guy, he was the defending champ of, of the event that was last there four or five months ago. So his insight, he had talked about driving accuracy being a big thing at Torrey Pines. So good stuff there with Patrick Reed. Really enjoyed it. And yeah, it was a whirlwind trip, man. Just uh, 72 hours very quick turnaround and I took a red eye uh, after I saw Rom in pitch black when they finished on Thursday night I took a red eye that night and bolted out of that media center I'm telling you barely made my flight I had four minutes to spare and I got home and I actually got delayed it took me like oh gosh I think it took me 14 to 15 hours to get home but it was definitely worth it I mean it's US Open you can't miss the US Open so Really enjoyed it, and yeah, huge win for Rom. I thought he showed a lot of tenacity. This guy's one of the just die-hard competitors. I, I love how serious he takes it. But anyway, we'll catch up again soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Uh, lastly, I want to mention EncoreGolf.com. Check out their Elixir Golf Ball, two-time Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner. Expertly crafted for all golfers. So check them out on EncoreGolf.com and on social media at EncoreGolf. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. Great U.S. Open week, and man... Uh, another second place for Luis Ustazen. Hopefully he gets it done at some point. But anyway, we'll catch up again down the road here on Beyond the Clubhouse. <laughs>